0: Um, before I start this morning, Joshua chapter 10, because this goes so much with the message. It goes so much with everything in life. So I, I really don't even know what time it was. I was more in awe of the beauty. God woke me up sometime in, in the middle of the night. It was is anybody up last night? Did y'all see that moon? Wow. Man, so I didn't even see the moon. I didn't get to look at it. I saw everything else. Uh, You got the windows in the bedroom, and and man, I am looking, and I can see everything, and it's just beautiful. It's like enough light to see everything, but not so much light that you see all the imperfections. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We all look better when it's kind of a little bit dark. So I'm looking outside, and God just reminded me of the importance of that being me, because that's all we are. We're a moon. We are a reflection of whatever we choose to reflect. As children of God, we are nothing more than than a moon. We are a reflection of God's light. And so here's here's what... Here's what God showed him. I'm just I'm about to have a spell and trying not to wake up Robin and, and all of a sudden can't wait to get here. But, you know, a new moon is beautiful. Anybody like a new moon? I mean, it's just beautiful. I mean, it's just the ring. It's just pretty cool. And it identifies itself as the moon. It identifies itself where it's at. In other words, everybody would know that that moon's a Christian because it's got that ring. But it's not really giving any light that's going to help anybody find their way in the dark. It's easy to identify what it is, but it's not really helping the situation. You know, you get a quarter moon. I'm thinking cow jumps over the moon, the old children's thing, right? You got that little quarter moon. And it's beautiful. It identifies the moon. It identifies several different things. But it doesn't really give a lot of light to help people find their way in the dark. I can identify what it is. And see, that, that's what we are. We are a moon. We are a reflection of God's light. The moon has no light within itself. It has no power to generate anything. All it simply is, is a mirror. It is the, the light of the sun reflecting back. That's all we are. That's all. We have no power in and of ourselves. We have nothing good in and of ourselves. The only way that we can be anything is to surrender everything to God and become a full moon so that Christ reflects off of us. And if we're a full moon and we're reflecting the light of Christ, now we're helping others find their way in the dark. Isn't that just cool? So I had a little spell and I just couldn't help but share it this morning because it goes so much with the message we're looking at this morning. I want to read the exact same passage as last week from Joshua chapter 10. We're we'll going to look at a different message. Y'all don't have to hold on there, but but we're going to look at the same passage. Beginning in verse number 12, Then spake Joshua to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. He said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand thou still upon Gibeon and thou moon in the valley of Agilon. And the sun stood still and the moon stayed until the people had avenged themselves upon their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Joshua? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and tasted not to go down about a whole day said so there was no day like it before or after that the Lord hearkened to the voice of a man, and the Lord fought for Israel. We looked last week at the Lord will fight our battles. The victory has already been won, but we've still got to show up, amen. I want to look this morning at faith to follow. Father, thank you so much. For being so good. Thank you for loving us in spite of us. Thank you for your sweet Holy Spirit in this place. God, thank you for your presence. God, that you would inhabit here in the praises of your people. God, thank you for your faithfulness to your word. Thank you, Father, for this book. I pray you'd teach it to us, God. I pray you'd help us to learn. I pray that you'd move each one of us in the way, Father. That you'd have us to go, Father. We pray most of all that you would be pleased with everything that we do in this place. We love you, God. Lord, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said... Amen. So last week, looking at this passage right here, we we look at at a text called Offer What You Have. By the way, you guys, your ministry sheets, thank you so much for them. There will be ministry leaders getting in touch with you over the next few days. I didn't get them out to them until last night. If you did not get one of those ministry sheets, you didn't get to fill it out, there's a few more in the foyer. Sorry for you guys that came in late. We ran out of bulletins this morning. We'll we'll print more next time. My bad. But there are some ministry sign-up sheets. If you weren't here last week... If you didn't get to turn yours in, I'd love for you to get one of those and sign up to some ministries. Places that you believe that God would have you serve right here at Faith Baptist Church. There's a basket on the table out there in the middle. You can just leave them in in that basket. But in order to offer what we have, we're going to have to surrender our lives. Now, when you offer something, you're giving it away. When when, when we offer something, we, we are offering control of it. The word offer means to bring to, to present for acceptance or rejection. So it is to present something to someone that may be received or it may be rejected. So we can offer somebody a meal and they can accept the meal and be filled or they can reject it and be hungry. The choice is theirs. We can offer somebody an umbrella in the rain. They can choose to accept the umbrella and stay dry, reject the umbrella and get wet. We we can offer somebody our help. We can offer our services in that we're offering our time and our talents to be able to help them. And, And they have the right to accept or to refuse what we're offering. But here's the fact. Once we offer something, at that moment, whatever we offered now belongs to them until they decide what to do with it. It's no longer within within our control. So when we really want to surrender everything and we really want to follow God, then then it is our life that we are offering to God. Paul told us Romans chapter twelve verse one. He said, "I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, a living sacrifice to live for Him. You present your bodies a living sacrifice." Wholly and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That, that word present there, it means to yield. It is to give. It is to offer our bodies. That means that once we have offered our bodies, offered our life a living sacrifice to God, then it's no longer our life to live. It is our surrendered life for Christ to live through us. So if we totally surrender, then, then we no longer have the right to say no. If you offer someone a hundred dollars and they take that hundred dollars, you no longer have any right as to how that hundred dollars is spent. As long as it's in your, same if they give it to us. Same if they give it to us, as long as it is in your possession, it's yours to decide, to determine. Actually, it's God's to decide. It sounds terrible to say it's mine because God gave it to us. But you get to decide what to do with that hundred dollars. But once you've offered it to someone else and they reach out and take it, it's no longer your decision on what they do with it. And the same as with our, with our lives, they give it to us. It, it is now our choice as to what we do with it. So when we offer God what we have, when we offer our life, we have surrendered our will for his will. Now, here's the deal. It's, it's a pretty big deal to just surrender complete control of your life. Somebody say amen. amen. But as Christians, that's what we're supposed to be doing. Here am I, Lord. Send me. Use me at work. Use me at home. Use me at school. Use my place. Here's my life. I'm surrendering everything to you. Now, the only way that we can ever truly surrender anything to somebody is if we have a 100% belief that, that who we're giving our life to has our best interest in his mind. Anybody believe that God has your best interest in his mind? Anybody believe that he's the only one that can provide for or take care of your life? So, so we have this faith that, that God is the one who has our best interest in mind. But that means we have to have faith to follow. The fact is, we either have 100% faith in God and we are 100% following God or we're not following God at all. Wait a minute. Well, that's extreme. Okay, well... Let's look at it like this. If if you have a destination and it's somewhere you want to get to and you, you say, I'm going to go to my destination by a compass. And you're off by one degree. Then you're going to miss where you're headed to. As a matter of fact, the further you travel, the further off the mark we're going to get. Now, it sounds reasonable enough. There's only 360 degrees and you got 359 of them right. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? I mean, honestly, if you're a major league baseball player and you get 359 hits out of 360 at bats, you're a billionaire. Everybody on the planet is trying to get you. I mean, 359 out of 360 sounds pretty good, right? Do you know if you're off by 1% and you set your compass and you want to just leave right here and go out the door of the church and you set your compass, I'm going to go out that left door right there and I'm going to go by the compass. I'm going to look down and follow it and you're off one degree. You'll still make it out the door. You'll just go out the right door instead of the left door. Still going out the door, right? Not too big of a deal. Let me give you some things I printed off for you last night. By the time you've gone one mile, you miss your mark by 92.2 feet. Yeah, that's not bad. 31 yards, right? I mean, I can still see where I was trying to go. But what if I wanted to travel from San Francisco to Washington, D.C.? All I want to do is travel across the country, and I'm going to leave one spot. I'm going to run a straight line by compass, but I'm off by one degree. That means I'm going to end up on the other side of Baltimore, 42 and a half miles away from my intended destination. I'm only one degree off. I got 359 of them right. I'm only one degree off. Now, if I wanted to start at Washington, D.C., and I wanted to set the compass and travel a straight line around the globe, and end back up in the exact same destination. And I'm only off by one degree. I'm going to end up in Boston, Massachusetts. 430 miles away from where I was supposed to get back. Getting a little worse, isn't it? We send a rocket to the moon. We set its coordinates. We want it to leave earth. We want to go straight to the moon. We set its coordinates. But we're off by one degree. By the time it gets to the moon. It is off by 4,169 miles. What if we wanted to go to the sun? We set our coordinates, we're going to go straight to the sun and we're only off by one degree. we got 359 degrees, right? We're only off by one degree. We will miss the sun by 1.6 million miles. One degree sounds like a little bit more, doesn't it? If we wanted to travel to the nearest star in our galaxy the closest star that we know of, and you set your coordinates to go to that star, and you're only off by one degree, you will miss that star by 441 billion miles. That you're only off by one degree. So if we're living in this life almost for Christ, and, and we're only one degree off, how much will we miss heaven's glory by? If, if we're off at all, Then we're just off. We have either surrendered everything and we're following his will or we're not following God. Sure is quiet on a Sunday morning. I'm just reading some statistics. You can get the stuff off Google. It's pretty earth shattering to think we can be that little bit off and still be that far away, right? Chinese philosopher Lao Tzu. He says, if we don't change the direction that we're going, we're likely to end up where we're headed. Anybody get that? It takes faith to follow somebody. It takes faith to believe that they have our best interest in mind. Faith to believe, faith to know that they know where they're going. They know how to get there. I'll be honest, Jesus is the only one that came from heaven to here and went from here back. He's the only one that knows how to get to where we're going. It takes f- some some faith to know that they know how to get there and they want to take care of us and they have a way to get us safely there. Listen, if I'm going to follow somebody, you can rest assured I have no doubt that they've been to this place before. They know how to get there and they know how to safely get me there. Or I'm not following them. If I'm going to take chances, I'll take them on my own stupidity, right? I don't have to follow somebody else's foolishness. So to have faith, we, we've got to believe that, that they ha- have a, a way of getting us there. To follow God 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 has so much more in store For our lives Than just surviving I know I ain't got up In somebody's grill Besides mine right there You ever in life feel like If I could just make it through the day Glory to God If I can just survive one more day Anybody know what I'm talking about I'm not by myself am I I mean, if I can just survive, God, just help me get through this day, Lord. You just, just help me get by. I just, I'm just trying to, to survive. God has so much more in store than just survive, that That's not where God wants us to live. God created us to be more than, than survivors. God has a plan planned out for our lives. In all honesty, if we could see the fullness of the plan that God expects to use us for, we'd probably be scared to death. But by faith, we trust God enough to say, here I am, Lord. What is it that you want me to do, and then I'm going to do that? Now, here's reality. First, it's probably going to be baby steps. I said last week, don't worry. God's probably not fixing to call you and send you to an island full of cannibals to to preach to to an island full of tribal people that have never heard the gospel. I did not say he won't. I, I, I didn't buy you out of that. I said this probability is not that that's what God's going to do. But here's what I do know. If you're the one that God's going to call, if you're the one that God's going to call to send to do something big, that's not going to be your first assignment. You're not going to start out on a pew and end up Uh, over on that island. God gives us little things to do. Do you understand the importance of little things to do? Do you understand the importance of offering someone else your lunch? Do you understand the importance of handing someone else $5 when it may have been the only $5 bill you had in your pocket? Do you understand the importance of walking up to somebody and just saying, do you mind if I pray with you? You ain't never met them. You don't know nothing. You just know you see something on their face. And the Lord said, go over there and pray with them. Do you understand how important it is to just walk up to somebody and say, do you mind if I just pray with you? Reality, those are all baby steps. But if you miss any step, then you're not getting to where you're going. So, so all of those steps are a process. So I'm not saying God won't send you to an island to preach the gospel. But what I am saying is that won't be your first step. He's going to give you lots of little steps along the way. Lots of little steps in your house. Lots of little steps in your workplace. Lots of little steps in your classroom. Lots of little steps at the gas station. Lots of little steps at the grocery store. Places that he might use us to, to shape us, to build us up. But we have to be willing to follow every step in the process. God's doing something. If God sends us off to an island or to a far land to preach the gospel, I'll go ahead and tell you, we're not going to be fully equipped. We're not going to be 100% ready. We're not going to have it all together. But what we will have been is we have been prepared enough to just go do what he said and trust him to take you to, here's the important part, to take you to and to take you through where it is he's taking you. Whatever it is. Yeah, would y'all like a little biblical theology? It's on the back of your bulletin. To those who got one. I apologize to those who didn't. Biblical theology connects the greatness of God. With your potential. To do great things. On his behalf. It connects the greatness of God. With your potential. I can do how many things through Christ. Which strengtheneth me. I can do all things. It connects Our potential, your potential, the greatness of God with your potential to do great things on his behalf. If the size of the call, if the size of the vision of the things that God is leading you to do, if it's not intimidating, it's probably not from God. If it doesn't sound too big for you to do or too impossible for you to achieve in your own ability... It's probably not from God. As a matter of fact, it's probably insulting to God. Because if you think you can do it, then you'll wind up trying to do it. And you won't won't trust. You don't think you need God's help to achieve the impossible. So you'll step out and try to do things on your own. And then when you accomplish it, you think you did something. God's going to deliberately give us things that we have to pray for, that we have to trust him for, that we have to call on him for, that we have to follow his lead. So that when we get there, we know it wasn't nobody but God. It wasn't nobody but God that got us here. It wasn't nobody but God that, that, that accomplished it. God is not just looking to save our soul and then take us to heaven. Anybody ready? God's not looking to just save our soul and then take us to heaven. God is looking to change the world through us in between those two events. God is looking to reach the lost through our life. God is looking to be a blessing to someone else through our life. God is looking to be a living example to someone else, a full moon, a light to show somebody in a dark place the way, God is looking to do that through our life. God is looking to lift someone else's spirit that is down in the dumps through our life. God is looking to offer a helping hand to someone who simply needs help finding their way through our life. God is looking to show somebody how to survive the storm by seeing how you survived the storm. God is showing them how to get through the storm by watching it in our life. We're to be the hands and the feet of Jesus, reaching out to a lost and dying world. God has so much more in store for you and I than just surviving. We are not survivors. We are redeemed, bought, purchased, washed, Cleansed, purified, sanctified, set apart for an holy purpose. God has something in store. Every believer in Christ, every Christian, anybody who has ever been saved, you have at least a measure of faith. It is a prerequisite of salvation. You cannot be saved without some measure of faith. It takes enough faith to know that I'm a sinner and that Christ died for me on the cross, that he shed his blood, that he rose again, he has offered me salvation. It takes at least a little measure of faith that we must come to God by faith. Somebody say amen, please. So it's by faith that we saved, not a word. So so we got to have some little bit of faith to be saved. But in all honesty, that's about where many Christians' faith begins and ends. And, And for that reason... Too many Christians have have settled into this spiritual mediocrity, casual Christianity, occasionally showing up at church, take it or leave it attitude. That is called a faith living on life support. That's not where God expects us to live. That's not what, what God is looking for in our lives. God wants us to step out and follow us wherever he leads. There is a calling on our life. God saved us. Do you believe that you are saved for an intended purpose? All four of you. I really was expecting a lot more than that. So you four hang on while we talk to everybody else. God saved you for a purpose. Not just to save you from hell. But to help save others from hell. To help others walk down some dirt roads. To help others get through some storms in life. God has a purpose for for our life. There are no plan B's in God's economy. God doesn't have a plan B for your life. You will either 360 degree follow it or you'll be one degree off. Or how many? God, God doesn't have... Alternate solutions. And God will prove that when he starts calling you. And you keep trying to excuse your way out of it. And talk your way out of it. And blame your way out of it. And God will keep waking you up at 3.30 in the morning. You'll eventually figure out. God's not going to change his mind. So you might as well change yours. (laughs) Hebrews chapter 11. Hall of faith. Verse number 6. God says without faith it is impossible to please him. He that cometh to God must believe that he is. That he is a rewarder of them that. Diligently seek him faith faith is so much more than just a get out of hell free card It is the vital link to our relationship with God Here here's the truth about faith much of our faith is built on life's experiences We have faith to believe things that we've seen We have faith to trust in things that we have visually seen to trust in the things that we've seen God doing And God's done an amazing ton of things for every one of us amen Everyone has been, been, been blessed by God. But faith is about believing things you can't see. Anybody ever have anybody come on like, I'll bet you I can do. I'll bet you I can do. Some extraordinary event. I'll bet you I can see those three cars parked in them three parking spaces. I bet I can ride a skateboard down that hill. I can jump those three cars. The skateboard will go underneath. I'll land on the other side. I'll bet you $100 I can do it. You know what? I got a pretty good idea. I can do it. I mean, man, man come up to me and won't bet $100, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure he probably can. So, so I, I have a reasonable expectation that he probably can. Somebody else says, man, don't take the bet. I've seen him do it. I know he can do it. Now now my, my assurance is a little bit stronger. Not only does he say he can, so I, I believe that he can, but, but this guy says he's seen him do it. But I'll be honest with you, where I'm at in life, that sounds pretty impressive to me. that impressed anybody? That sounds impressive enough to me. I'm going to take the $100 bet. I'm willing to pay the $100 just to see it. I've paid a lot less to do a lot stupider things. So, so I'm probably going to take the $100 just to watch him do it. But see, here's the reality after he gets through. I'm not going to tell anybody that I, I met a guy who said he can do that. And so I believe he can. It's not, hey, I met a guy who said he could do it, and somebody else said I've seen him do it. I'm going to say, I saw him do it. Do it. You can't take from me what I saw. You can't take my testimonies from me. You can't take what God has delivered me from. You can't take the storms that God has brought me through. You can't deliver me out of the darkness that God has has delivered me out of. You can't take things from me that God himself has given me. I've seen them with my own eyes. I am proof known that God can, God does, God will. I know those things because I've seen them. But what about the things I've not seen yet? See, it's a different kind of faith to to believe beyond the things that we've seen. Faith to believe in the impossible. There's several things that can hinder our faith. I'm going to take a few minutes. I want to look at just a couple of them. One thing that can hinder our faith is our past. See, our past can hinder our faith because we can't forget who we've been. Our past can hinder our faith because we can't forget what we've done. But can I tell you something? God can. God can. God does. God has. God will for, forgive anything, everything that the devil is telling you in your life that is beating you down and telling you why you can't be used by God. God can forgive all of it. In the book of Psalms, chapter 103, verse 11, for as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he remembered our transgressions are, are removed. So far has he removed our transgressions from us jeremiah 31:34 they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother saying know the lord for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest of them saith the lord for i will forgive their iniquity and i will remember their sin no more hebrews 8:12 i will be merciful to their unrighteousness their sins and their iniquities will i remember no more there is no sin so dirty that the blood of jesus can't cleanse it The only dirty sin in our lives is the ones that we have not confessed and the ones that we have not repented. Confession is admit my sin. Repentance is turn away from it. Lord, I'm sorry and go right back to it. Does you no good? So the only dirty sins in our life are, are the ones that, that we either haven't brought before God for forgiveness or, or the ones that, that we are still living in. So that, that thing that you're, you're hindered by, that, that thing that the devil keeps bringing up, if you've asked forgiveness and you've repented and, and turned away from it and you're no longer living in that sin, then you are forgiven. Which means the past is forgotten and your future is set for God to do great things. The reason that the devil wants you to keep looking back at your past is anybody in here still awake. I want you to hear this. The reason that the devil wants you to keep looking back at your past is, is because God has something in store for your future that the devil don't want you to see. Anybody ever have a, a sin in your life? Don't, don't, don't raise your hands. Don't raise your hands. It's just a question. Anybody have a sin in your life that you wish you could forget? You, you wish you would have never done it. You, you wish it wasn't on your plate, but it is. And you're always finding yourself beat up over it. You're always finding, your devil's always reminding you, and, and you can't ever seem to let it go. But here's the question part of it. You know somebody else that's done the exact same thing you've done. And you are constantly lifting them up, building them up. You're telling them about how God's mercy is greater than your sin. How God's grace is greater than your mistake. So you're so busy picking somebody up and you assure them that, that God is enough no matter what you've done. And you believe that with all of your heart. But you can't find it in yourself to forgive yourself. See, that's where the devil Wants us to live. Can, can I tell you something? The bigger the bigger our mess, the bigger God's message. The bigger our mistake, the greater God can accomplish something. And I don't mean just run out and do something really stupid and simple. Because you know God do something great. That, that means if we really want to follow God, then we'll try to stay away from those things. But, but don't let the devil use our past against us. Number two. Sometimes our faith. Is all but stopped in our tracks when we feel like our prayer is not being answered. Come on, this this ain't, this ain't no Sunday school answers. This ain't no holier than thou. This is this is really us, real people living in the real place. Sometimes we're praying and we're crying out and we're begging and we just don't feel like God's listening. Am I by myself? Sometimes, sometimes we feel like God's listening, and the answer is no. Sometimes th- those things are devastating. I mean, we did all we know to do. We, we have anointed our loved ones with oil. We, we've prayed a, according to the scriptures. We have fasted according to this book. We, we have done everything that we know that this book tells us to do. We've put everything in. We've trusted God completely, but but it didn't happen the way we wanted it to happen. Some, sometimes we, we do pray. Our most sincere, heartfelt prayers, we are shedding the, the most real Tears and and, and we are, we are begging God and we're pouring everything out and we feel like we've done everything we can do, but the cancer still spreads. (laughs) You've done everything you know to do, but the bills are still due and you still don't have the money in the bank. You've done everything you can do, but your prodigal child is still out there being led by the devil, living in the world, living a life full of sin and riotous living. And you're begging God day and night, but they're still out there. You're begging God every day. To, you have to see the struggles in the marriage, but yeah, the marriage is still in shambles no matter what we try to do, no, no matter how hard we pray or how hard we try. It's like the situation just keeps getting worse. And nobody but you and God knows how you feel on the inside. Sometimes, there in our text this morning, sometimes God makes the sun stand still. Sometimes he lets the sun go down so that other people can see glory through our lives. Sometimes we get to see the miracle, but sometimes we get to be the miracle for somebody else to see how we handled something. Stephen Furtick, the book I referred to you last week on Sun Stand Still, I recommended the first two thirds. I didn't like the last one-third as good as I did the first two-thirds. But, you know, listen, there's nobody out there. I agree with everything. There's just not. There's just not many people out there that that write new stuff that that you agree with. Absolutely everything. So the last third was still good. Really some good stuff in it. So I still recommend the book. Um, I can just tell you one of the things that bothered me the most. He talked about sun still prayers, sun stand still prayers and great prayers. And, and he talked about wasting his time in his life, praying for God to be with me and God to bless this day. And, and God, you use me for your will this day. I don't consider those prayers a waste of time. Those aren't little league prayers to me. I think it takes a nut to get out of bed in the morning, and expect to go through your day without praying and asking God to bless this day and make me a usable vessel before you ever get out of bed. So so again, I'm I'm not casting a stone there. I'm just telling you, there there are some things that I don't necessarily see. I see what the point is trying to make. I just didn't like the way he made it. But but still, a good book. But he said something that I never really thought of before when he's talking about Joshua. He said, before Joshua saw the sun stand still, he had to watch in agony for 40 years as the entire generation of his people died in the wilderness because of their lack of faith. It wasn't his fault, it wasn't his weakness. It wasn't his failure. It wasn't his lack of faith. As a matter of fact, he and Caleb are the only ones who had the faith. They did everything they could to try to tell Moses and a whole generation of people, God will deliver the land. Let's just go over and take it. Don't worry about those people. No, we're not grasshoppers in their eyes. We are in God's hand. Let's go take it. But yet he spent 40 years of his life living in the setback of others, watching as each one of them died in the wilderness. He was given a first-hand experience of what faithlessness looked like and, and what the results were going to be. And when it came to a sun stand still, he wasn't going to let that be him. He wasn't going to decide that my God's not big enough to deliver that land. So that's why I prayed the prayer to sun stand still. If we're not careful, those seasons of setback, those things can, can be fatal to our faith. It's easy, it's easy to lose our way in the dark if the sun goes down. If we don't have our eyes focused on the only light that never goes out, it's easy to lose our way. We're going to choose how our setbacks will define us. They're either going to draw us to God, or they're going to cause you to run from God. But one thing setbacks in life will do, they will force us to make a choice. We will, we will decide how they define us. The glory of God. Will often shine the brightest in our lives. When the sun goes down. But we choose to follow him anyway. That was not on your bulletin. But it probably should have been. The glory of God will often shine the brightest in our lives. When the sun goes down. Our prayer wasn't answered. The storm didn't stop. It didn't come out our way. The sun set in spite of our prayers. We choose to follow God anyway. Faith doesn't guarantee a crisis-free life. This one is on you, Bolton. But it does guarantee that God will be there with us every step of the way. I will never leave thee. Nor forsake thee, no matter how dark, no matter how severe, no matter how hard. God says he's always going to be there. Sometimes, before God can bring some things to pass in our life, he has to, to strip some stuff away that we're holding on to. God, God has to get, get some things. Maybe it's visible stuff that we're holding on to, and, and, and maybe it's it's invisible stuff that we think is invisible, but nothing's invisible to God, right? God knows. That to get from where we are to where he plans for us to go, we've got to get rid of some stuff. There's some baggage, there's some trials, there's, there's some junk, there's stuff we're dragging along. And, and here's the reality. We've either got to get rid of it now or we've got to get rid of it later. But it's only going to get harder. So sometimes God goes ahead and puts in a situation to so let's just go ahead and, and get it now. So in order for us to, to fully follow God, we must have a fullness of faith that God truly does have our best interest on his mind. You know, all things work together for good. Of them who love him, they're called according to his purpose. Yeah, that, that like there are some people, if you go up in a certain situation, quote that, you're going to probably get busted in the mouth. You're probably rightfully so because what they're going through, they don't want to hear that right then. How can anything good come out of what I'm going through? I don't know. I just know I have to have the fullness of faith to trust that God does know. God's going to accomplish something through someone somewhere. In a book, this is another book I can recommend the first half. I can't recommend the second half because I ain't finished it this week. It's called Change Your World, written by John C. Maxwell and Rob Hoskins. On page 13, they give examples of why people change. People change when they heard enough that they have to. People change when they see enough that they are inspired to. People change when they learn enough that they want to. There's a message in all three of those. God allows things in our life to cause us to change because we can never get to where he wants to take us. We can never get to where we're going by standing still. God, God can't guide a vessel that's tied to the dock and won't go anywhere. So, so we, we may never see the sun stand still. We may never see the Red Sea parted in our life and and walk across on, on dry land. We may never see some of the great miracles in exact proportions of what we see in the Bible, but we serve the same God. No matter what our Red Sea is, the same God has the capability to do everything. He can do the same thing in our lives that he did in their lives, but it's up to us to trust him. One of the authors of, of Change Your World, he didn't identify himself which one he was writing, but he, he said his dad loved riddles. And he said his dad asked him one time, he says, five frogs are sitting on a log. Four of them decide to jump in. How many are left on the log? He said, my answer was one. He said, no, son, there's five frogs on the log. Five were on a log. Four decided to jump in. But there's a big difference between deciding to do something and doing something. Wow. In our own example, this isn't to beat you up. It's not. This this is an encouragement if you're behind. But you know, at the beginning of the year, we decided to read the Word of God together this year, right? Several of us, we decided that we're going to read the Bible through in a year. Several decided to. Several will. There's a big difference between deciding to and doing. At the end of the year, there there will be knowledge and reward and things for those who did. There'll be a little bit of regret for those who didn't, who who decided to. At the end of the day, the the way things are added up is only counted by those who did. It's it's not by those who decided to. Now, how many times in our life have we decided that I'm going to make up my mind to follow God? Oh my goodness, he's fishing a medal on a Sunday morning. Ain't nobody coming back tonight for church, I'll guarantee it. <laughs> Hopefully somebody will come back next Sunday morning. How many times have we decided, I, I, I'm going to follow God. I'm going to read his Bible every day. I'm going to pray every day. I'm going to church every Sunday. I'm going to be involved in church. I'm going to plug in. I'm going to surrender my life to God. I want to be a part of what God is doing. I want God to use my life. And we decided, to, to no matter what, I'm going to follow God. How many times have we decided that? The question is, where are we? How many times we decided it and, and we didn't carry through with it? Back to your bulletin. Good actions represent the dividing line between words and results. Actions. Not not good I wanted to. Not good I decided to. Not good intentions. Good actions represent the dividing line between words and results. So what matters is not what we intended to do. But what we actually do. See, that's why the biggest gap between failure and success is the distance between I should and I did. Jesus told Peter, he said, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. Paul basically told Timothy the same thing. He said, preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season. Simply put, this is what it said, pastors, lead my children to serve. Rick Warren, that I know of, probably said it first. Stephen Furtick repeated it. Probably other people have said it. I'm not sure who originated it. But here's what it said The only real job of a pastor is to prepare God's people for their own ministry. The only real job of a pastor is to prepare people for their own ministry. Every one of us has a ministry, our life is a ministry. Do, do, do we understand that our life is a ministry? People see Christ in us. And so if we say we go to church, we're Christians. However we act, that is what Christ is to them. However we, we act each day, that is what Christ is to them. We, we have a ministry. We go to church. We claim that we're, that we're saved. We're born again Christians. Then, then our life is our ministry. Everybody in this church is a part of this ministry. Furtick in his book. He said the people there at their church. They're, they're not season ticket holders. They're links in the chain. Now I've seen that done a, a lot of different ways. I, I've, seen, I've seen it done with bricks in the wall. And, and I've seen it done with hold to the rope. Dr. Randy Rye. I've seen it done with chain. But man you, you guys come on up. Y'all come on and start making your way. But I, I thought about it and I said you know what. That's a great illustration. I'm going to order links for everybody in this church. And, and when you come in the door, they're going to give you a chain link that has a little break so that we can put them together. So that each one of us understands the importance of our link. Anybody ever own one chain link? It's really not worth much, is it? You, you can't pull your buddy out of the ditch with it. You can't strap anything down with it. You, you, you can't throw, I mean, one, one link's not worth much. But when you start putting links together, they add up, don't they? And now all of a sudden, the more links you put in the chain, the longer the chain, the more stuff you can do and the more people you can reach because the longer the chain goes. So I ordered 500 chain links to hand out at the door to give to, and you came in. I probably should have read the description instead of just looking at the picture. They were about the size of my little fingernail. I got this little bitty bag with 500 chain links. I'm like, that's not the point I'm trying to make. You guys are a lot bigger piece of the puzzle than that. Each life is a lot bigger link than that. There are no little bitty links in God's economy. And God's not a little bitty chain. So you're just going to have to imagine in your heart that you have a link in your hand. Because I sent those back. And I, I didn't have... The time or the money to buy the ones as big as I actually really wanted when I finally found some, I might all well go buy real chains but 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 what what i what I want everybody to see is, is there are there are no cosmic accidents in this place. nobody just landed here you you didn't just See an advertisement. You didn't just happen to find something on Facebook or YouTube. You, you didn't just check something out online and ran into it. Everybody is here. It's a divine purpose from God himself. You're here for a purpose. If, if you're not here for God's purpose, if you're not, listen, I, I pray truly. Every, I want everybody to find where God wants them to be and plug into their purpose. Because there's not a happier place to live life. But God put every one of us here to, to do something together. We are here by a divine intervention of, of God himself. No, no, no one man show or one little small deal is going to win this town for Christ. No no one man show, no one something something is going to do anything in this town. But, but God can take his church that he has united and he has put together. And God can do amazing things through each one of us. Each one of our links becomes something that can pull an entire town along. God can do something amazing through us. But it takes each one of us being the link that God's called us to be. The question is. Do we have the faith to follow wherever he leads? To do whatever he says to do. See, proof is in the pudding. Saying it won't do it. Only doing it actually does it. So here's here's what I would, would like for us to do this morning. Because it does have faith to follow. I believe this with all my heart. I truly do. I don't believe there's a person in here that doesn't have the fullness of faith in God. I don't. I don't think there's a person even, I don't believe there's a person in the sound of my voice that does not have the fullness of faith to believe that God can, God will, God does. That God can do whatever you need done. I'm not telling you that he will. I'm telling you fullness of faith. It's up to you and I to ask. But I believe that every one of us has faith to trust him and faith that, that, that he brought us here. And it takes faith to follow somebody. So are we willing to sell out everything to follow God and let God do something amazing. The the prayer on your bulletin, the prayer that says changing our surroundings one soul at a time, that's not what we are. That's what I want to be. Changing this town one soul at a time is what I desire for Faith Baptist Church. It doesn't matter if it doesn't happen in my lifetime. As long as this church becomes a church that wins this town. Do you know a lot of men prayed prayers and they never saw the answer, but the answers came. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You pray in the fullness of faith that they may not have gotten to see the fruit. But they kept praying and what they prayed for, God answered in his own time. I want to see this town won for the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. I'd love to see it in my time frame. And I'd love to see God use everybody here together that he'd use us to reach it. But whether I see it or not, here's one thing I can change. I can give it my best every single day of my life to try to make it happen. All of us can. But that's what it's going to take. That's what it's going to take. How many of you would like to live in a better community? How many of you would like to to look at something on the Grange Daily News and it look better than what it does? It's not the killing and the murder and the robbery and the trash. How many of you would like to see something something, talk about the goodness of God in the town you live in? Oh, it's possible. It's possible. But it starts with us. So here's what I just want to ask you to do. The band's going to play this song. And I don't have a chain to put in your hand, but you've got a chain link in your heart. My question is, will you come down and unite your chain link with every other chain link and symbolically say, God, here I am. I'm plugging in for, for your will. I am all in. Use me for your glory. I want to ask all of you will. We're going to use the altar this morning. There's no COVID. There's no restrictions. You can be as close to anybody you want. If the altar ain't big enough, use the aisles. How many of us will say, God, I'm all in? I want to click my chain link in. You guys can come on. Go ahead and stand up. I want to click my link in with everybody else's link, And I want God to use us together to do something great in this town. Visitors, you guys are included. You're here Sunday, you're part of the family. You're here today. You're welcome to come be a part. Don't don't feel like you're on the outside looking in. Go ahead, guys. Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. It's the most important step. You can't follow God until we've surrendered to God. Are you willing to say, Lord, I am a sinner? Ask him to forgive you of your sins and to save your soul. There must be a confession of sin. Lord, I am a sinner and I come to you a sinner and I believe that you Lord and you alone can wash away my sins in the blood of Jesus. I'm asking you to forgive me my sins and save my soul in Jesus' name. God is faithful and just to forgive and to save to whosoever will. Let him come. Visitors, thank you guys so much for being here. If you got a few minutes before you leave, I'd love to talk to you down front. Those of you that talked about wanting to join this morning, uh, Miss Sylvia, you're going to be down front with the membership list. Miss Sylvia will be down front with the membership forms and and talk to you about that and the rest of you those that have just joined if you would just prepare next week right over here we'll, we'll take some pictures of new members Father thank you so much for being so good thank you for love for kindness for grace for mercy for compassion for long suffering God thank you that you never throw away the clay but you just keep on working on us Keep on shaping us and changing us and molding us and making us into the image of Christ. Thank you that you never give up on us, Father. Thank you, God, that you have our best interest in your mind. And everything you're doing in our lives is to shape you into your image. We love you, God. You've been good to us. But we trust you, we thank you, and we praise you. In the precious, sweet, holy name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Love on somebody. Let them know.